0: A key scholar who shaped our understanding of the process of meaning-making and representation is the cultural theorist Stuart Hall. Hall was born and raised in Jamaica and moved to the United Kingdom in the 1950s, producing a number of influential works on media and representation during the civil rights movement and up until his death in 2014. He was the director of the Birmingham Centre for Contemporary Cultural Studies which was highly influential in shaping a generation of British cultural studies that paid attention to how representation shaped power relationships and particularly how media was used as part of the everyday life of ordinary people. Hall's earlier work often focused on television, where traditional media models around meaning-making were simple at best. The majority of conceptual models were concerned with the transmission of messages – A sender codes a message a certain way and then transmits the message through a medium, writing, radio, television, film, where it is then received and understood by a receiver, the audience. Ultimately, the weakness of these early conceptual transmission-based models was that they assumed messages were simply received or not received, either understood or not understood by an audience, with a relatively similar cultural map there was also an underlying assumption that a shared language suggested a shared cultural context and therefore a shared understanding of messages. But Hall understood that meaning-making and representation was in fact far more complicated. As critical cultural studies scholar Graham Turner puts it, Hall makes a conclusive break with the hitherto dominant American communication models, with aesthetics and with the notion of the audience as passive consumers of mass culture. Turner continues, Hall argues that just because a message has been sent, there is no guarantee that it will arrive. Every moment in the process of communication, from the original composition of the message, that is encoding, to the point at which it is read and understood, that is decoding, has its own determinants and conditions of existence. Hall's work was often preoccupied with outlining a cultural dimension to media theory, as a cultural outsider working and living in the United Kingdom. His work theorised that media representation was not limited to linguistics or a sender-receiver analysis, but influenced by an individual's personal experiences and relationship to the society in which they lived. Who we are, how we identify, the cultural map we are prepared with, all are factors that deeply influence how we will understand a message. Hall argued that just as the process of meaning-making is dynamic, so is the process of understanding a media message. Stuart Hall offers three claims about how meanings and representations work and how signs come to represent or carry certain signifieds. Hall's first claim is that meanings are reflective. If I say tree, draw a tree, or wrote T-R-E-E, you would see an image of a tree in your mind. The word or image reflects an object that exists in the world. But the important point here is that this is completely arbitrary. The tree doesn't know it's a tree. There is no natural relationship between the object and the symbol used. This is a relationship that humans invented. It is technically possible to change the names of trees to anything else, like balm, and if everyone agreed, that symbol would work perfectly well to describe the object. In fact, this is what people in Germany do where trees are bomb, and everyone in the tree seem to get along just fine. The point is, humans construct meanings over time. The capacity to reflect things in the world with words is a human invention. A second claim is that meanings are intentional. If I say tree... I intend that you will see a tree in your mind. That you will think of the same object in the world that I am thinking of. But I can't control the meanings you see in your head. If you decided, all for yourself, that trees would be called something else altogether, I can't stop you from doing that. Or a symbol that for me triggers one response might for you trigger something else. Maybe you had a particularly dramatic and terrifying experience with a tree recently. Say a tree fell on your house in a storm. When I say tree, it might induce a sense of panic in you. But if you've just spent the morning sitting under a beautiful fig tree daydreaming, when I say tree, you might drift off again into another relaxed thought bubble. I might intend for you to understand what I mean, but I can't control your experience. So, meaning-making is always the exchange between someone who imparts a meaning and someone who receives and decodes that meaning. Both are active players in that process. It can't take place without both getting involved. Both have to act for meaning to be transferred and worked with. Thirdly, meanings are constructed. While in an ordinary, everyday way, meanings appear to work in a reflective and intentional way, If I go sit under a tree, you'll probably know what I'm asking you to do. Because we share a language, you'll understand that the word tree reflects what I intend to happen by asking you to go and sit under one. That is only possible, though, because over time humans constructed a system of meaning-making and then go about immersing each other into this shared system. Meaning-making is a social process. It happens over time. Human society couldn't exist without humans sharing meaning with one another. These meanings precede our arrival in the world. We're born and we have no language and no words. Our parents teach us words and language and along with that language come ideas that shape a way of life. Bit by bit, we acquire the language and the practices and relationships that are entangled with it. We learn the time of day. We find out about the idea of studying and working we get the idea of money, we begin to appreciate what love is. The acquisition of all of these meanings is contingent. If you grew up in a society with no cash economy, then money would make no sense to you whatsoever if you ever encounter it. We acquire meanings that were here before we arrived. As we live our lives and form relationships, we contribute to the process of sharing and adapting those meanings over time. In Hall's account, the construction and interpretation of messages are active and interpretive events. Hall's point is this. Society is not homogenous, but is made up of many different groups and interests. The television audience cannot be seen as a single undifferentiated mass. It is composed of a mixture of social groups, all related in different ways to dominant ideological forms and meanings. So there is bound to be a lack of fit between aspects of the production and reception processes, between the producer's and audience's interpretation of the messages, that will produce misunderstandings or distortions. This potential for misunderstanding is limited, Hall points out, but the fact that our communication systems, both their linguistic and non-linguistic aspects, work to encode our languages for us in advance. We do not have to interpret the television discourse from square one because we've already learned the codes from which it is constructed. Turner draws out the crucial point here – if meanings are not entirely predetermined by cultural codes, they are composed within a system that is dominated by accepted codes. Dominant meanings are preferred, and while they may be resisted, there are then cultural consequences for doing so. Hall's involvement with civil rights movements around the world heavily influenced his approach to media representation and theory. Ultimately, His contribution to civil rights has become an important part of his legacy after his death in 2014. In Hall's words, Representations sometimes call our very identities into question. We struggle over them because they matter. And these are contexts from which serious consequences can flow. They define what is normal, who belongs, and therefore who is excluded.